All right, I don't know if everybody in here has got one of these little handouts that's got maps for both of the wars that we've looked at, the war of Psalm 83, which is known as the War of Annihilation. And this map on the first battle of Gog and Magog out of Ezekiel 38 and 39, and uh, it's got some information on the back, has to do with the names of the nations around. But Ronnie Altz will certainly bring you one if you raise your hand up and say, don't have one, my brother doesn't. Gail doesn't, uh, Miss Evelyn doesn't, Jesse and Jessica, I think I've got enough for everybody. Tim back here, Miss Rose there, Miss Sharon over there, and who else? Oh, and Patsy, Patsy doesn't have one. So anyway, while Ronnie's passing those out, I started a Bible study a couple of weeks ago in light of what's going on in Israel. I, th I think it's just an exciting time. I believe we're living in a day and an hour when we're watching Bible prophecy being fulfilled in, in, in our day right before our eyes. I believe when I stand here tonight, I'm looking at the rapture generation. Will all of us make it? I don't know whether I will or not, but I really, really believe that he's coming in our time without a doubt. I believe it's closer than, than ever uh, before. And when that thing started October the 7th, in Israel with Hamas crossing the border, uh, killing at least 1,400 people, depending on your source, um, wounding Brother Ronnie, if you're out. All right, I think there's some more in there. Hope there is. If not, we'll get them to you all. Um, 2,500 wounded. They, uh, they took 250 hostage. And they're clamoring now that Israel, why don't you stop? You know what? Why doesn't Hamas give up their hostages? I don't know why that the world changes so quick against Israel, but yet I do know now. Was the war of Psalm 83 and verse 4 in Psalm 83 is the key verse. In, um, but that being said, is this that war? Well, I have no idea whether it is, but it's possible. And if it isn't, there's going to be a war something similar to this uh, that we see going on with the neighboring borders of, of Arabs, Palestinians that want to wipe uh, Israel off the map. They do not want a two-state solution. If you read the charter of Hamas to the Palestinians, you'll find that they don't want to live coexisting with them. They want to annihilate them. Where do you all think that chant that's been going around from the river to the sea? From the river to, that's not a perchance thing. And, and this two-state solution is, I, it's like a record that's got a deep scratch in it. They just keep running it by, running it by, running it by. Like Benjamin Netanyahu said, he said, if we lay, he said, if the, if the Palestinians lay down their arms, we'll have peace. He said, if the Jews lay down their arms, there'll be no Israel. And that is true. And, and the thing that really stirred me, the Spirit of God used this to stir me to start this little study uh, on these two wars. There, there are nine end-time wars, by the way. We've studied one. We've stuck our feet, or feet, yeah, our feet into looking at the first uh, Gog and Magog war. We're going to continue with that a couple of weeks. But there, there are nine, there are nine total, and it's just, it's just an exciting time. But Netanyahu said when the war started. He said, we're going to change the face of the Middle East. I believe he meant what he said. So, chapter 38 of the book 
of Ezekiel. I'll read the first, I don't know, six, seven, um, six, seven verses, maybe more. I'll know when to quit when I get there. And uh, we'll do a quick review of, over, of what we studied the first, the first week and pick up with the purpose of this war. There's always a purpose for everything. Nothing just happens by chance. If you agree with that, say amen. There is a, there is a, a cause for any effect. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 38. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, which is just a leader, a chief. We don't know who that may be, but, but it, that's what it's referring to, a head of a group of people. Gog and the land of Magog, the chief, prince, uh, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against them. And when you get a chance, put the 38, Ezekiel 38 map up, David, in just a minute, if you wouldn't care. Um, and say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shield or shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, which is Iran, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shields and helmet, Gomer and all his bands. And by the way, Gomer at the time of writing of Ezekiel was in the northeast part of Turkey, what we know as Turkey now, near Beth Togomer, um, and all his bands, uh, the houses of Togomer of the north quarters, and all his bands, and watch this phrase, and many people uh, with thee. Uh, now there's going to be more than the ones that, that are named here. They're going to come against Israel. And he said, be thou prepared and prepare for thyself thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. And this is, listen, this is such a great verse. I've got to get it before I quit. And after many days shall thou be visited in the latter years. Now, we're living in the last days. Everybody understands that? Say amen. According to the Word of God, actually, the last days began... Uh, when the church began, when Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, the last days uh, began then. We've been in the last days ever since that time. But there are last days dealing with the church and last days dealing with Israel, and we're dealing with Israel. That puts it in a different place. He's talking about the last days uh, right about the time when the tribulation will take place. So, so this is what he's referring to. He said, Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which, may, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. So again, we're looking at the first um, Gog and Magog battle, or the first battle of Gog and Magog, whichever you prefer using it. David, you put the... Um, oh, okay. All right, that's okay. Well, since you got maps, here's, here's what we've got. I, I, I borrowed this off the internet. I didn't see any, any kind of protection on it, so I hope and pray I don't get any trouble. 
but uh, maps are all over the place. But anyway, this is as good a map as I have seen, and because it's colored, it helps us pick out a lot of different things. If you look where Magog is, you'll find up at the top above Magog, you'll find Kazakhstan, underneath it to the left, Uzbekistan, then you'll find underneath it Kirkmenistan, down below it Afghanistan, and if you go straight across from Uzbekistan, there is a, um, how do you pronounce that? Uh, let me see, Kyrgyzstan, if I've got it right. It's K-Y-R-G-Y-S-T-A-N. You'll see the boundaries on them. Then below that, it would be Tajikistan. So I wrote mine in. I didn't write them in on yours before, before I copied it. But while we're looking at those, let me, let me, let me, give, you a couple of, let me give you a couple of numbers that go with that. Now, these are the major nations that will be involved in this battle. And one of the reasons that I wanted to compare the Psalm 83, um, did I say something wrong? You shook your head, so, okay. Well, she tries to help me, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, the Psalm, 80, hey, Psalm 83 uh, chapter talks about different nations than Ezekiel chapter 38 nations. The chapter 83, or not chapter, Psalm 83 nations that are involved with that war of the nation are those nations that immediately surround Jordan, whose border touches like uh, Lebanon, like, uh, like Egypt, like uh, Syria, and, and, and others. Can't think of who they are right now. So mine's gone blank on that one. But anyway, here in Ezekiel is what's on, on this map. They don't just surround uh, Israel. They, they come from Arab nation, Palestinian nations. So when I began to look at this, I thought, you know, it would be a good idea to see how many square miles Israel is. And I've got two different numbers. I'm going to use the smallest because I think it's closest to being correct. Israel's about 8,200 or 8,000. 5,827 square miles. I'll get it right in a minute. Y'all know how I am with numbers. 5,827. Now, with all of these nations around it, and that doesn't include the many nations that will come with it, the total land mass for all of those is 5,070,000 square miles. When the map was first put up there that night, people said, where's Israel? That's how small that, that she is. Israel's population uh, currently in the nation, not worldwide. I'll give, you that. I'll give you that. Eventually, it's a little over 15 million. But in Israel, there's 9,795,000 Jews in Israel. In those nations, in those nations around Israel, uh, Israel in the Arab League, there are 462,940,000 and change. Now, I, that sounds a little bit kind of slanted and slewed, but can I tell y'all, I know who's going to come out victorious. When we were there, every time we've gone to Israel, I've been privileged to go six times. I wish it was 600. Y'all know what? They know they're in the land to stay. 
They know they're up against it. They know that it's difficult, but they are there to stay. So we spent several minutes of time on that, reviewing the map, looking at that. And we even spoke just a little bit about uh, what we're going to start on in some way tonight. But there are two things that are kind of uncertain. Number one, the timing of this, of this war, the first Gog and Magog. And I'm looking forward to getting down uh, to doing some studying on that. It's the last point in my outline. But there's also something else that, uh, that is mentioned in this that uh, is a little, a little uncertain in that. That is the difference of opinion about when Ezekiel chapter 38 refers to the fact that before this war, the Gog-Magog battle can begin, Israel has to be living in safety. So we're going to try to look at those things. I don't have the answer, but um, we'll start with this. We'll start with the purpose of the war. Have you ever wondered what maybe the purpose of the war is? Anybody at all? That's it right there. To show God, show who God is, right? Show his power. I wrote on my notes to show that he's sovereign. Show that he is the great I am that, that, that I am that I am. Uh, turn to chapter 38 and let's read the first six verses out of that. And then I'm, I'm going to maybe jump ahead of myself uh, to get some things on another page if I can find them. But here in chapter 39, I'm going to read the first six verses. 39, what did I tell you, 38? I'm sorry. And I was looking at 39, by the way. So anyway, he says, Therefore thou, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. Sounds to me right there like God's in control of the nations, doesn't it, you? We'll find in chapter 38, as we read tonight, that God would put a hook in their jaws. He said, I will smite the bow out of thy left hand, will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand, and thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, to the beasts of the field to be devoured, and thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord. And I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And I say glory to God right there. Now in this, we not only see in this passage that God is the God of the nations, that he is sovereign over them all the way, we see that he's the God over creation. We see in this chapter that he's going to give a feast for the beasts of the field. But in chapter 38, he's going to give a feast for the birds of the air. I'm glad to, listen, I'm happy right now. I'm glad to know I serve the one true God that, listen, is ruling and reigning not only in heaven among the angels, but among the armies of men. I'm glad for that. I'm glad. I, I sleep good when I think about that. Just, just to be perfectly honest with you, that is definitely helped me for me. Yes, thank you, David. 
Thank you, thank you. You did a better job putting it up there than I would. Yeah, without a doubt. So I'm glad to know that one of the purposes of this is for God to prove that he is God. Now, how many of y'all are looking for Jesus to come say amen? Do you ever evaluate why you wanted him to come? Well, I'll just be honest. I have too. I heard somebody say, yeah, I'd like to get your testimony in a minute. When I first got saved, I'll be honest, I wasn't really excited about thinking him coming. Debbie were newlyweds. I thought, man, I'd like to try this marriage stuff out for a while. I'd like to have maybe a baby or two. I mean, I'm just being honest. And then I grew a little bit, and I got to looking at the world situation, and I began to think of things. You know, Lord, I'd really like for you to come. And you know what my reason rationale was? To get me out of this mess. It was selfish. Both of them were selfish. Well, I grew a little bit and waited a little bit longer, and now I'm at a whole different place, and I think I'm closer to what I ought to be. I'm looking really longing for the Lord to come. You know why? So, so he can prove just what this says, that he is who he says he is, that he'll be, that he'll be authenticated, that, that the veracity of what this book says about him is true, and that finally every knee will bow, every tongue will fess, that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm in a pretty good place, so I don't think that one will change. I think it will continue to get stronger, but I do not, do not believe that that will change. Now, um, to me, to me, again, the main purpose is to display that he is God. And let me prove that a little bit more. Chapter 38, and we're going to look at verses, uh, several verses in chapter 38. Chapter 38, and I'm going to pick it up at verse... Verse 23, well, several verses in 39, just one in 23. <clears throat> 38 and 23. He said, thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, this may sound redundant at the time I read all these, but that's, that, that's, just, that's just the way it is. I hope, I hope it excites you. Look at, look at verse 7 in chapter 39. He said, and I read that, I think. He said, so will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute. I didn't read it. I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Look at verse 13. All the people of the land shall bury them, talking about uh, this, this uh, cloud of people that will come against Israel on the mountains of Israel that die in that war by the supernatural power of Almighty God. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renowned the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord. Look at verses 21 and 22. And I will set my glory among the heathen. And all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. Look at verse 25 through 29. Now thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and will be jealous for my holy name after that they have borne their shame and 
all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against me when they dwell safely in their land and none shall made none made them afraid when I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. I read those to get to these. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. I say amen to all of that. That's the purpose of all of it when it's said and done. Can anybody remember in what year and what war the nation of Israel secured once again or secured maybe for the first time now that I'm thinking it, the Golan Heights? Anybody? 67. That's exactly right. The War of 1967. Now, you know what? Many times they have been tried to be persuaded to give up the Golan Heights. Can I tell you all what? They're not going to give it up. That is one of the most, militarily speaking, advantageous places that there is in the nation of Israel. Have you happened, Brother uh, Philip, have you not been to the Golan Heights? I'll never forget in 85 we came through there. Our guide's name was Abraham. It's either Steinberg or Steinbeck. I, I remember Steinbeck, but nonetheless, we nicknamed him, of course, Father Abraham. And I'll never forget the day that we came through, and he said, right there is where I crashed my jet when I got shot down in the war. Man, I'm telling you, friend, you remember the, you remember the T-shirt I told most all of you that he said he wanted to sell all of us when we got back to the motel? It says... Well, we all asked, well, what was on it, Father Abraham? What, what can we expect to be on it? He said, it says, don't worry, America, Israel is behind you. I love that, I'm telling you. I don't think he had them or I'd have one. I'd be wearing it tonight probably, I don't know. But anyway, there's a purpose behind all of that, and I believe the main purpose is to show that God is God, that he is sovereign, but also for the nation of Israel to learn that he is who he says he is. Nation, the nation of Israel is living in unbelief. They're in spiritual darkness now. You all realize that, don't you? There is a small percentage, and I cannot remember how many are Messianic Jews. And of course, that's kind of a play on words for some of them, if you get right down to what a Messianic Jew is. But they're converted. They're believers. They're Jews, but they are believers in Yeshua HaMashiach that's come the first time. Most of Israel, well, let me say it this way, a lot of Israel, a lot of the Jews is looking for their Messiah the first time, but you'd be surprised, maybe, maybe not, how many, how many atheists there are in the nation of Israel. But I'm glad that they'll find out who is the true, who is the true king. Let me show you one thing I think it is. Let me look ahead in verse in verse 16, there are two places. In chapter 38, I want you to look at the number of people, or at least how God pictured this. It's in verse 9 and 16. Read, read verse 9 with me in chapter 38. And I'm sure you all have gone through here and marked some of these things that 
caught your eye. That's, that's all I've done in this. He said in verse 9, Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, meaning now those nations coming against Israel. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Look over in uh, verse 16. And thou shalt come up, come up against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days. I will bring thee against my land, and the heathen may that the heathen may know uh, when I shall be sanctified in the old Gog before their eyes. So, anybody got any questions? That anybody find something out reading that 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 uh, caught your eye, Miss Linda, as you were the heathen. Well, I've, I look. That's one of those words that I've not looked up. You know what I'm saying? I've not used the lexicon. I've not used um, uh, Webster's that I can ever remember. But it, it, to me, they, they call it heathen. If you're from Boone County, it's heathering. Well, it would be it would be referring to nations without a doubt. It may not. It, it doesn't have to do anything with intellect. Yes, I believe it does. But it, it has more a spiritual, pardon me? That's what I say, it's more of a spiritual connotation. It's that they don't believe. It's, just, it's not that they don't believe. Everybody believes something. Everybody believes something. If y'all heard me say that, tight. The Gentile nations, but like I said, I'm not a heathen because I believe in the one true God. Who's going to say something? Somebody, somebody pull out your phone and Google it. Greg, what is it? Follow me? Yeah. It's people that, like I say, it has nothing to do with intellect, position, power, none of that. It's a heart condition. It's a spiritual condition. They just refuse, like Greg read. It's what I was going to tell you, to worship the one true God. Yeah. So, everybody okay with that? Well, catch me what chapter you're talking about. I'm, I'm right now at a loss. I'm, I'm up here in the dark on it. Oh, you're talking about, you're talking about those, those, those ten horns? You're talking about these being those nations? I don't think so. I think they have more to do with the area of the Roman Empire. Okay? Best I remember. Somebody say Tom? Oh, but I, I think, Wanda, if, 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 well, you know, I like this. This sparks a lot of things. So anybody else find anything else that kind of caught their eye? It's coming more against God than Israel at this time. But now, you said in the millennium, it's actually when Israel turns to God, when, he, when, when, when a fountain's open in the house of David, that's at the end of the tribulation. That's before the millennial begins. That, that, that is at a time when Israel is a place that, that they think they're going to be annihilated. If you go back to the book of Zechariah, chapter 10, 11, or 12, uh, you know there's two-thirds of the nation of Israel going to be annihilated, eliminated during that period. And it's going to be awful. It's going to be, it's going to be hell on earth, actually, literally. All hell's going to be turned out against earth. And when they get to the place that they realize that their only hope is to cry to the Lord God Jehovah, then he, you know, 
he said, your house shall be left desolate, and it's not a good quotation, until thou said, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they'll get to that point, and when they see Jesus, we just sang a song, which I wish really we would change the verbiage in it, where it says, you know, nail-scarred hands. They're, they're still pierced. They're not, they're wounds. They're, they're not scars. They haven't healed. They'll see, Zacharias said, the wounds in his hands, and they'll weep for him as, you know, a firstborn son that had died. They'll repent. They'll grieve their self, and God will save them. A nation will be born in one day, the Bible says. They'll be ushered to a place called Petra. Uh, that's in Edom, um, Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And if you read, if you oh, write this scripture down. Y'all want to get a good blessing tonight. I mean, it, it just shows you the power of God. Daniel chapter 11, verse 41. Really easy to remember. If you forget it, text me, call me. Daniel chapter 11, verse 41. Now read a verse or two above it and below it, and you'll get the gist of it. But y'all know that during the tribulation and the Antichrist is going to rule over the world for a period of time. Can anybody tell me the one place on planet earth that God will not let that, that, that booger go? Not to Israel. He's going he's gonna, he's gonna to stand up in the, in the temple and proclaim himself God in Israel. Where at? Where? In Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Where's Petra found? Now it's down in Edom, and you're right. Isn't that amazing? I mean, to tell you, I just found that verse in the last couple of years, and man, I love it. That, that's, he'll go everywhere. He'll fight battles. But God will say, buddy, you can't go down there. Now, when I was in Petra, had the privilege of going there, Debbie and I did. I got thinking, man, this thing is wide open. How could they not, you know, be found or located? Well, look, you ever heard of something being hid in, in, in uh, but it's more than that. God's going to say, you can go everywhere but. And guess what? He's not going to go. Not there, at the, the Battle of Armageddon. It'll be across the Jordan, not quite parallel to it, but pretty close. There's maybe like Megiddo's here, Steve, and Petra's here, down, you know, toward the Dead Sea, but it'll be across, it'll be across the mountains of Moab and, and in the valley of, of Jordan, but actually in the valley of Jezreel. So. Yeah, many other nations, what it's talking about. Somebody said, I'll get you candy. Somebody else? Exactly. Um, well, Megiddo is actually the place. Okay, it, it's, uh, we've been there too. That's where Solomon had a stable at one time. It's in the area of Samaria. Am I, am I thinking right? Samaria, Judea, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. Can't remember that for sure. But uh, it, it's a beautiful valley. My Lord, it's a beautiful valley. I think when Napoleon stood there, he said it's the most, he said it's the greatest natural battlefield he's ever seen in his life. So it, I don't think that's really, they've named it there because the Battle of Armageddon, you know, Revelation 16, 16, and then we see it actually played out in Revelation 19, but Revelation 16, 16 is where you find the word Armageddon or the, you know, the Battle of Armageddon. But uh, Megiddo is the place, hence Armageddon, Megiddo, so it's in that. So, does that help? Candy? That, that's a great question, and I know it's not really a part of our study, but I'll, 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 I'll answer you with that out. 
Look here. I, I'm a, I, look, I'm a Bible man. Y'all know that, all right? I don't know it all. I don't know it as all as well as I do what I do know. But I believe the Word of God. And I believe to understand it, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to understand it in a literal sense. And it's also got to be understood in a dispensational sense. Okay? Uh, God is a God of order. God does all things well. And he broke the time that man would be on planet earth into seven dispensations. We are currently, we are currently in the sixth dispensation, which is the dispensation of grace. It's also the church age. But following this, which is the seventh dispensation... It will be the Sabbat. I know it's the millennial. I know it's a thousand-year reign of Christ. And it's, it's, it's the dispensation of the millennial is what it is. But it speaks of the Sabbath. How many days did it take God to create planet Earth? According to Genesis 1 and 2. Well, no, you can't discount the seventh day now. But he rested on the seventh day. I get y'all what you're saying if you're, you know, if you're really cutting, you know. But there are seven days in that first week of the creation week. He just happened to rest on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because he had completed his work. But that is a picture of the Sabbat or of the Sabbath. It is a day of rest. Y'all do know that our Lord's Day, our Sunday, is not a Sabbath. Please tell me amen. It's not even a Christian Sabbath. Now, I grew up hearing that. Well, it's good to be here on the Sabbath. Well, it's not the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. It's not the last day of the week. It's the first day of the week, right? So at that time, God in these dispensations, and this is an oversimplified definition, has tried man from the dispensation of innocence in the garden in the beginning to this dispensations that we're currently in now, the dispensation of grace so here's what God has done God's got so much wisdom I mean it, it, it amazes me but it's normal for him why this thousand years of peace where righteousness floods the earth as, as, as I forget maybe the waters of the seas do now where there's going to be peace and where there's going to be great prosperity and it's just going to be amazing time it's going to, the earth's going to turn back like it was in, in Edenic time now, there are going to be no ravenous beasts. I mean, the child, for whatever reason, I have no idea they'd want to do this, would play on the whole of the asp. I'm not going to get near him. <laughs> there is no way I'm getting near him. But anyway, to take away man's excuse when he gets before God in judgment, because if God hadn't given us that seventh year of peace and where righteousness reigned, He'd say, but if I'd have had that kind of time and dispensation to live in, I wouldn't have done. I, I would have got right with you. So God's going to give that time to show people the problem with mankind. Can anybody tell me where the problem is in mankind? In their heart. They're fallen. They're fallen. They're wicked sinners. Pardon? Continuously. And... When he's loosed for that little season, he's going to go through all the earth and those people who never got right with God, although Jesus was ruling through that time on the throne of David, although there was interaction between heaven and earth, we're going to be there in new bodies. 
Isn't that amazing? It's just going to be a phenomenal time, and I'm not going to tell you much about it, but he's going to take away their excuse. See? Has nothing... Y'all ever heard that uh, philosophy or, or psychology uh, question, you know, what's the problem with mankind? Is it nature or nurture? I say yes. But look, we give our problems the way we do because of the heart. We're fallen. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it affected all of us. And God's going to take away every excuse. I know it took a long time to say what I should have said in a short few words, but we're about done. I don't want to start anything else. So, Any other questions, comments? See, when we get to talking about end time stuff, man, there's so many places we can go, so many things to, uh, to look at. The Lord will, and next week, I'll pick up, I'll pick up, I think, um, I'll pick up the idea of the, um, the, the important factor or factors that uh, concern is, is, is connected with or concerning this war. And then, then we'll look at maybe the timing of this war, the, the possibilities, the theories. We'll, we'll just mention some to rule them out, and then I'll, I'll share mine with you before but but it's been a while and I'll, I'll share it again by the grace of God I, I think I've got a good I think I've got a really good biblical argument I'm telling you I do it's exciting so any other comments questions be glad you come say amen yes we'll be there yeah in that in that glorified body we'll be ruling as as we'll be ruling and reign, reigning as 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 Look, that's why I preach. That's why I preach. And, and, and when we, on our Tuesday night study, we'll get in to looking at, you know, we're looking at the security of the believer on Tuesday night. We'll get into looking at rewards. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about rewards. You know, we'll go before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, and our works will be tried so as by fire. And uh, if our works are burned, burn like stubble there's six six different uh, um, six different pieces of material wood hay and stubble gold gold and silver and precious stone the wood hay and stubble is going to burn the silver the gold and the precious stone will endure and only purify and he's going to look at our works after that we have been saved what we've done for Christ how we have obeyed him and all these kind of the stuff and uh, from that point in the judgment seat of Christ That'll determine what we do in the kingdom. We're going to rule and reign with him as priests and kings. Uh, we'll do administrative works over, you know, if, if, if you've been faithful over a little things, I'll make you ruler over many things, you know, to quote something out of the gospel. So we're going to have a part in his kingdom that's going to be worldwide. And the numbers are going to increase. I mean, they're going to have babies like crazy. People are going to live to be the age they were pre uh, pre-fall in the garden. They're going to live hundreds of years old. So we're going to be there. Hey, listen, a bride or a, hut, a groom will never go anywhere without his new bride if he loves her, you know. We're going into heaven, and uh, chapter 19, we come back. We come back riding horses. We're dressed in white linen, chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. And uh, we, when he rides to come, we ride with him. Hallelujah. My back will be better for then, so it won't hurt, so.
I don't, I don't have any problem with that. It could go with that, with, you know, without a doubt. It's going to be a phenomenal time. He not only gives it to the Jews, he gives it to the whole world. I mean, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. When he comes back, Revelation 19, there's a sword that comes out of his mouth. I mean, exciting. Y'all hear me? Glorified bodies. There will be people in bodies just like we have now. Yes, ma'am. They'll come out of the tribulation, those, those Gentiles and Jews that are saved during the tribulation, and there will be a multitude, John said, that come out of great tribulation. They'll go into the kingdom in fleshly bodies. They will be saved. The children they produce will not be. They'll have to make a decision for or against Christ like we have. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a little brief look at the kingdom sometime. He's loosed after the thousand years. I got you. Go ahead. For a little season. No. It's, it's to reveal the hearts of mankind, to give, them the, to give them the time to do that. It's not going to drive them to the Lord. They're in rebellion, some of them, for hundreds of years. When, the, when they have to go to Jerusalem to worship Him, they'll be there gripping their teeth. Okay? They won't be happy campers about it, but they'll comply because Jesus is going to have a kingdom of righteousness. Whether they like it or not, that's what it's going to be. Okay? So it'll give them the opportunity to prove, you know, who and what they are. Give you one more verse and we'll quit and let Don and Bev do their business. In the book of uh, Jeremiah, where's it at? 17 and 9. The heart of man is wicked and desperately, the, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 goes on to say, I, the Lord, I try the reins. He knows it. I don't, but he does. So let's sing.